Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, and this is going to be a great episode. Guys, if you're a business owner, you better have pen and paper ready because my friend Cody's about to drop some serious knowledge. But first, I want to thank our sponsor. As you guys know, um, without sponsors, the show would not be where it is today. If you love handmade leather goods like I do, my friend at Pinkerton.co make handmade leather goods and truly amazing. They actually made a wallet for my son that he uses every day in college. So definitely check them out. Cody, my brother, good morning or good afternoon. How are you? Dude, Richard, I am phenomenal, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. How are you doing? Oh, bless, brother. Now, I, I just wa- wanted you to know, you know, we have some things in common, and I didn't even know if you know it. One, you know, we have a very good friend in common. Do you know who that is? I'm, I'm going to guess Nicholas Bailey. That's one of them, and Joe Nicasio. Joe Nicasio. I didn't know you know Joe. Joe is a, a good friend and client of mine, actually. Yep, great people. And not only that, but I used to live in North Myrtle Beach. No. I actually got saved at a church called, it was called the Purple Church. I went to Barefoot, man. North Myrtle Beach, I spent six years there. It was life-changing for me. Yeah, and every year that we go on, because my parents live in Myrtle's Inlet. Okay. Every year we go down, we always hang out in North Myrtle, going, you know, seeing alligator adventure and stuff like that. Dude, that's so awesome. You're bringing me back down memory lane. I moved there when I was 16 to 22, and I graduated high school down there. Yeah, my boy is actually going to Coastal. Okay, yeah, man, CCU. I have some good memories there. Yeah, so see, life is short, and, and you don't know who you're going to meet, so it's always good to treat people great. <laughs> it is, Richard, man. It is. It's it's amazing how, how small the world can really be uh, when we think about it and the people that we connect with and, and how we're all intertwined together. Yep, that's why I always say you never talk bad about anybody because you never know who you're going to meet. <laughs> and Amen, I, brother. And I just interviewed Nicholas, and his uh, episode should be coming out soon. So I'm so very grateful to have you come on. But first, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your backstory, because for me, um, I like to get to know the people behind the briefcase, and in your case, behind the briefcase and the microphone, because a lot of us guys growing up, like me and you have, our mess has become our message. And I would love for you to break it down a little bit just to let people know where you're coming from and why yeah. you have such a, a big heart and a heart of service now. Yeah, man, absolutely. Do I have permission to go deep on this? We can, This is your time, brother. All right, man. I blocked out the whole day just for you. So this is your time. This is your, you know, this is just so people can, if anybody's struggling out there, they can get help. And whether it's in business, whether it's personal, whatever, this is your time, brother. Yeah, man. I, I, I love the opportunity to, to get to speak into your audience. And guys, bear with my voice. I just got out of a three-day men's conference. It's slowly coming back. I think I did more yelling in the last three days at this Emerge conference than I've ever done. But it, I'm going to do my best to amplify that uh, so I'm clear and everybody can understand me. Um, first of all, I just I want to honor Richard um, for having this podcast, for bringing the value that he brings and giving me the opportunity to come on here and speak to all of you today. So I just want to say, brother, that I honor you and, and I appreciate you giving me this time on your platform. Oh, man, it's, it's all about building relationships and I'm all about relationships. 
Yes, sir. So I'm going to get right into it, guys. Uh, you know, my name's Cody Cottle, and I'm 27 years old, currently live in San Diego, California. Um, but my story's, uh, you know, it's been one of struggle, guys, as, as probably most. What I've learned is we all have a story. We all have a hero's journey story. Um, some are more difficult than others. Some of you listening to this right now might have had a much more difficult story than me. Some of you maybe not as difficult, but at the end of the day, you're going through your own things in life. I'm going to share with you some of the backstory on how I become the man I am today, how I'm doing the things that I'm doing, and how I overcame and endured through those obstacles uh, to, to live a, a very fulfilling life at this point in my life. Um, guys, for me, growing up, was really hard because three months after I was born, my father, Craig, went to prison. Uh, he was biker gang leader and he made mistakes. He's still in prison today, serving a 30-year sentence. And due to his irresponsibility, I was raised by a single mom, my mom, Cinder, uh, with me and my sister, Autumn. And even at one time, a half-sister, Jessica, came to live with us too. Uh, so I grew up surrounded by women, single mom. Uh, mom never went to college. Uh, mom, mom has a great heart. Mom's a hard worker. But unfortunately, we financial success uh, was not something that we ever had, Richard. We, we struggled a lot, man. And, and I just remember growing up and, and I love my mom. And I say this from the kindness of my heart. But I remember getting evicted from our home uh, probably two, three different times. Uh, and I just, you know, that feeling, man, I'll never forget this, this one time specifically I was riding on the school bus home. I was probably like seven, eight years old. And when you get evicted, they put a bright piece of paper on your door, uh, basically saying, you know, you have 30 days to vacate the premises. And I'm on the school bus with my friends and we're sitting in the back and we're pulling up to my house. And I, I've seen an eviction notice probably like five, six. I kind of knew what it meant, but kind of didn't. Um, and I remember the kids saying, yo, what's on your door? And, and like, I just remember this like pit of my stomach feeling like we were about to be kicked out of our home and, and we were, and, and we had 30 days to vacate the premises. We lived in a car for about a week and a half when went to live with one of my mom's friends and my mom slowly got things back together. Um, and, and, and that was the experiences that I had growing up. I, I remember being in the, uh, gas station with my sister. I don't know why this comes to mind, but it always does. And my mom talked to me like I was a man at a young age, Richard. Um, she spoke to me because she didn't have a man in the house. Um, and, and I grew up really fast. And, and maybe that's the way I am. Maybe that's why I have the drive that I have. But I, I'll never forget, you know, when you go to check out of a gas station, obviously they have all the candy bars and stuff, right? Like to try to sell you on that stuff. And my little sister, Autumn, she's two and a half years younger than me. She's probably like five, six at the time. And she grabs a Butterfinger. Autumn loves Butterfingers. Me too. She, oh. <laughs> you love Butterfingers. <laughs> I'm a Reese's guy. And uh, Autumn, I remember she, my mom the night before, just to give you backstory, had been complaining to me about bills. And my sister grabs this Butterfinger and she looks at my mom. She's like, mom, can I have a candy bar? And Rich, I'll never forget the hesitation on my mom's face about saying yes to buy a 79 cent Butterfinger. Oh, man. And I saw in that moment how like, man, we're really struggling. And my mom's like, yeah, honey, you can have it. And I know she didn't have the money. I don't know if she put on a credit card or what she did, but I know we didn't have the money. And she looks at me and she's like, Cody, do you want one too? And I'm like, no, mom, we can't afford it. So I, I give you guys that backstory because at 13 years old, my life did begin to change. Uh, I guess you could say because of these circumstances, 
I was forced almost to become an entrepreneur. And I guess I have the entrepreneur blood in me or DNA because at 13 years old, I did corn detassel and I did blueberry picking. But I also told my mom that you're, can I start knocking on neighbors' doors and trying to do work for them? You know, I'd go to neighbors, hey, can I mow your grass? Can I weed your garden? Can I pick up sticks and rocks? Anything to make a dollar. And next door to where I lived, I want you guys to picture I'm in this little farmhouse. And next to me is this really nice house. Uh, pool in the back, very nice yard, very manicured. And I went over and knocked. And the man that lived in this house, his name was Wally. And I remember knocking on Wally's door and saying, hey, Wally, you know, can I, can I mow your grass? Can I weed your garden? Can I do anything to make a few dollars? And he was like, you know what? Come over tomorrow after you get home from school, do your homework, and I'll find something for you to do, and I'll pay you five bucks an hour. I was ecstatic, Richard. Uh, cool thing, guys. I had like nine people on my road. I grew up in the country. Like all nine of them became my clients that summer. So I must have learned how to sell at a young age. Um, but Wally, when I got done um, the next day mowing his yard, and it's interesting because I had never rode a riding lawnmower. I'd only had a push mower because we couldn't afford riding mowers. And uh, I actually got taught by him, which is a cool memory and experience, how to drive a riding mower. And, and he taught me and he let me mow his yard and he paid me. And then he's like, hey, you know, pull up a chair. And we sit on his deck overlooking his pool, hands me a Sprite. And Richard, he began to speak to me in a way I'd never been spoken. And, and just so you guys know, like I was an insecure little boy that grew up without a father. I had no confidence. I was angry at the world. I was lost. I was broken. And this man began to talk to me in a way that no adult, especially adult male, had ever spoken to me before and asking me questions like, Cody, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, like, and, and what do you want to do with your life? And you know, you can do anything you set your mind to. And he began to tell me stories about his life and the struggles that he went through. And he got me to open up. And what's crazy is every day I'd get home from school, I'd get excited. And I'd go over there and I'd bug Wally. And, oh, you got some work for me to do. Can I just hang out with you? And I began to spend a lot of time with this man. Um, and as you guys can imagine, growing up without a father, it created a void that I was always trying to fill. I was always looking for male mentorship in my life. Uh, and I have a book I'm writing called My Five Fathers, A Story of Mentorship, about how five men changed my life. And Wally was one of them. And um, it's crazy because... Me and Wally became so close, and I didn't realize at that time, guys, that I was experiencing my first form of mentorship. I'm extremely passionate about mentorship because mentorship changed my life, and it can change your life too. And he was planting seeds that I didn't know would later come to fruition. And what's crazy is I ended up moving in with Wally. So I want you guys to picture here's my house and here's Wally's house next door. And I moved in there. I got my mom's permission to move in there. She did love me. She did try to do what was best for me. And this man was pouring into me. He was mentoring me. He was helping me grow as a man. And, and he took time to invest in me. And it's crazy because here's where the story gets hard for me to tell is um, Wally, Wally was dying. Wally uh, had been diagnosed with multiple myeloma blood cancer uh, which is a cancer that eats away 
at the bone marrow inside of us through our blood and it begins to make our bones brittle and eventually they break down and it's a really rare and a really bad cancer that just, you know, basically the death rate, you're basically guaranteed to die with it. And emphysema, he also had at the same time, he was a smoker. So he developed that lung disease where he could barely breathe. And those two are a very deathly combination. Um, I didn't know this until later in life, but when I met Wally, he was told that he had six months to live and he lived three more years, Richard. And he was in my life from 13 to 16. And he would tell me every day. And now it means a lot to me because I didn't understand at the time what it meant that the only reason I'm still alive, Cody, is because you gave me a reason to live. And now later in life, what I realize is that that man gave me a reason to live in my life. And he poured into me and he planted seeds and he mentored me so that I would break free of the limiting beliefs that I had in the tough environment ecosystem that I grew up in. And I, I began to step into who God created me to be. When he died, I was heartbroken and I made a pact to myself in this little fort that I had crying my eyes out, bawling. And I looked up at God and I was angry, but I, I swore to God and, and I swore to Wally that I am going to be somebody that helps people like Wally helped me. Okay. Now I got a question for you. Yeah. Because now anytime that I interview somebody, I shut my eyes and it's like a story and it's like a movie going through my mind. So yeah. I'm just picturing you as a 16 year old kid living in this beautiful home and then going back to where your mom's house. Yeah. And how that must have been. I try not not to ever curse on here. So um, how it must have been a mind screw. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're living a good life. You have mentorship. And now, you know, you're feeling all alone again. But did you know that you weren't alone, that God had your back at this point? You know, if I'm being honest, I would like to say yes. But I think I went through a period of time where... I struggled a lot with that. You draw a really valid point that I've never thought about much. I was thrown back into an environment that I didn't like. And the one thing though, I will say, Richard, is I was exposed to a better life. And now I knew there was a better life. And I knew I had a choice to create that better life. There was a drive that was created in me in those, those days, those years, those months that made me push. To, and you'll hear shortly after I did change my life. But yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I think really, I, if I'm being fully transparent with you and your audience, my coming to Jesus moment came a few years later. I knew God was real. I talked about God. I went to church, but it wasn't until a few years later that I understood what that meant to have a relationship and to trust him. Okay, so now you're 16 years old. You just lost a fa father figure. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, what were your some of your first steps to trying to become a man and and trying to become a man that he wanted you to become? Yeah, well, at first, um, you know, I, I'm very big on just being authentic. I knew I wanted to be what Wally was for me, but I was heartbroken, and we. I told my mom I couldn't live there anymore because I didn't like looking at this house that this man lived in that was so much to me that wasn't there anymore. 
So that's when we actually moved to North Myrtle Beach. Uh, my sister had a different dad. She stayed with him and me and my mom packed up and went and started a new life in North Myrtle. So now what state were you originally living in with Michigan? So I know it's a big difference between Michigan and South Carolina. Uh, so tell me what that was like, you know, going as a 16, 17 year old kid, 18 year old moving into Myrtle Beach. Tell me what that, that experience was like. It was exciting. It was scary. Um, it was a lot different, man. Uh, when I got down to South Carolina, I didn't, I didn't know I was walking into the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the kids there, you know, I'm 16 years old at that age uh, and the guys and stuff. It was a completely different culture shock. And I'll never forget the first day at North Myrtle Beach High School. I grew up in a small country town. I walk in and there's, you know, six metal detectors, four cops and, and a, a canine unit. Uh, so it was a little bit of a culture shock, if I'm being honest, Richard. And, you know, like I moved here from um, New Jersey. So I move, I get pulled over the first time and uh, they pulled me over and, and I'm like, what, what did I do? He's like, listen, smart ass, you're not up North anymore. Yeah. <laughs> south. I was like, okay, uh, I guess I, I need to learn my, learn my role, you know? Yeah. I, I had, I had my, uh, my share of that too. And, 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 and if what's crazy, Richard is, um, so I knew I wanted to to be uh, um, somebody that helped inspire others and pour into them, but I didn't know where to begin. And, and, and I made some mistakes. The first six months in South Carolina were incredible. But when I was 16, uh, going to school at North Myrtle Beach High School, like we touched on in the beginning of this, um, I actually was working a uh, landscaping job. I was helping put in customer underground pools and I was going to school, you know, staying very diligent, very disciplined. Uh, and then I come home and there's an eviction notice on the door. Uh, and this was a defining moment in my life because I had enough, man. And I had, you know, two, three grand in my bank account. I, I save my money. I'm smart with my money. And here I am, could have paid our rent, you know, and, and here we are getting kicked out of our home again. And and that was the the moment in my life. I went and pleaded with the landlord and he, he wouldn't have it. I had the money in my hand. He wouldn't take it that I, I went to my mom, man. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm moving out on my own. I can't do this anymore. So at 16, I moved out on my own. I've been on my own ever since. Uh, I'm 27. It's been 11 years. And, and do I have permission to kind of go into what followed that? Bro, this is this is, this is is just two, two brothers having a cup of coffee. Yeah, man. I love it. Uh, so guys, um, as you can imagine, you know, that's tough to do. Uh, but I made my mind up. And luckily, South Carolina has, I think it's called the McKinley-Kento Act something along those lines where if you can prove that you live on your own, uh, you have a full-time job and you're going to school, you're actually given grace. Uh, I didn't have to attend every class in high school. I finished a year early, graduated in three years. I didn't have to attend every single class. I was given grace on that as long as I had passing grades. Um, but what follows is, is a part I don't always share, but I'm going to get vulnerable and share with your audience. Uh, I began to make some mistakes. Uh, even though I was well put together, man, I, I needed money and I still love my mom and I still cared about her. I began hustling, Richard, um, began selling weed, you know, just weed. Uh, and I became pretty good at it. And I found myself uh, 18 years old. I got arrested. And uh, I'll never forget going to North Myrtle Beach County Jail um, and sitting in the jail cell and the prison guard walking me down, you know, opening that door, click, click, click. 
and putting me in there. And I began counting the bricks, man. I didn't want to go crazy. There was 183 of them. All these things were racing through my mind, as you can imagine. And I'm sitting on this little rinky-dink cod. It's nasty. And then I began to think about Wally again. And, you know, this is two years after Wally died. And I was like, you know, I began playing the victim role, if I'm being honest. And I began saying, well, my dad's in prison and we didn't have money. And I had to do this and began coming up with all the excuses, all of the justifications why I was making the mistakes I was making and why I was where I was at. But then another voice came over me and it was the voice that Wally spoke into me. And it was like, I have a choice. I'm at a fork in my life right now. My life is not over. This does not define who I am. I can continue to play the victim route or I can take the things I learned from Wally and I began, I can begin to step into who I was created to be. I can say enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of this life and I'm going to be ambitious about chasing what I want out of life. And I chose the ladder and I choose the ladder every single time. And I encourage all of you, wherever you're at in your life right now, maybe you're in that fork and maybe it's time for you to take it, make a decision. Maybe it's time for you to take extreme ownership over your life and say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've made mistakes, but my past has not defined my future. And when I got out of that jail cell, I began to change my life. And this is where the story really begins, guys, because at 18 years old, I made my mind up. That I'm going to be someone in this world. I'm going to be what Wally was for me, for others. I don't know what that looks like. I have no clue what that looks like. I don't know what vehicle I'm going to have to use to get there, but I know I'm going to get there and I'm determined to get there and nobody can stop me but me. And I began to surround myself with the right people. I got exposed to network marketing for a while and I went in this living room and these people were talking about living your dreams and they weren't smoking weed and they weren't drinking alcohol and they were speakers and they were motivating and I learned about personal development. I didn't care what they were selling. If I'm being honest, Richard, I said, sign me up. I just want to be around you guys. I want to be around good people. And uh, through that, I'll fast forward a little bit. I, I was exposed. Well, first of all, to- I want to step back a little bit because um, I think that if a person – Ever wants to succeed in business sales, you either need to do uh, door-to-door sales or network marketing. Because even though some some of them are shady, some of them aren't. I'm actually one of the guys that I use um, is a company called. Uh, they, they take care of all my uh, called Bonvera. They they take care of all my uh, energy drink needs. But yeah, it's a network marketing company, and it's amazing some of the teachings that you can learn. So if somebody's out there that's thinking about becoming a salesperson, get involved in network marketing or even door-to-door sales, because that's where you get to learn to take a lot of no's and you learn to keep on going, but you also learn how to talk to people. So I just Dude, to say that. I'm so glad you brought that up. So sometimes I skip through this part of my story um, and I don't know why, and maybe I shouldn't. So just so you know, Richard, my the, the years that followed, I did network marketing. I sold real estate. I sold timeshare. I did door-to-door where, sales, where and did I did car sales. Where did you sell timeshares at? Uh, Wyndham, vacation ownership. Okay, I was at, I was at um, oh, what did uh, I bought my own timeshare at Westgate. Oh, so I sold a timeshare to myself at Westgate. <laughs> so, that, so, you know, and, and if you, have you guys ever wanted to ever learn about taking a lot of no's sit in, on a timeshare table for about oh, six months to a year but then you also get to learn how to talk to people you get to learn how to read people 
and dude, that's it. And like, here's the thing is, so I, I seen a motivational speaker. I saw, um, it was the first time it was Eric Thomas, Gary Vaynerchuk, Darren Hardy, all these big name guys. And my dream was to become a motivational speaker, which I now am. Um, but the path to get there is, is, is very long. And for me, sales was my level of learning how to talk to people, learning how to communicate, learning how to listen, learning how to articulate messages and learning how to deal with rejection. So I, I literally would take on any opportunity I could that was difficult. That's why I've done the five hardest sales jobs in the world, man. I mean, network marketing, come on, real estate, timeshare, door to door and car sales. I mean, that's, I, I brutalized myself over the last decade going through the most rejection that anybody could ever face. And, you know, and, you know, cause I love sales, you know, I, I, I love, once I learned how to do it properly, you know, you know, there's a, a older gentleman that Mr. Ziegler, um, he always says you can have anything you want in this world. If you help enough people get what they want. Amen. And, and like Gary V says, you know, I've met Gary V a couple of times we've talked and, um, his thing, he said, you know, the big, the best business advice you can ever give somebody is to care. Mm, that's you good. Know, it's so true. You know, because most people don't realize, you know, a lot people won't care how much you know until they know. So they how know much how much you care. You. Yeah. You know, and I think once you, you know, I, for a guy like you for and me, I think because of what we went through as child children, we become more empathetic. It's you crazy because we relate. Yeah. You know, you're, you're doing doing all these sales stuff, and then you go. You know, I love ET. I love Eric Thomas. He's amazing. Love Gary. Um, but sometimes we have to figure our own way. Yeah. Because you know, because you know, a lot of people try to be Gary and just dropping f bombs. Everybody's like, "All right, we get it. There's only one Gary." So, how did you become you? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good question, right? That comes down to an identity um, issue and and creating that identity. Um, in those years, I was trying to figure out who I was. And I think that we're all created for a purpose. Uh, there will never be another Richard Kaufman in the world, right? Thank God. <laughs> there will never be another Cody Cottle in the world. Thank God once again. Um, but what that shows me and what I know now is that we were created with intention. We were created with purpose. We were created with identity and that everyone listening to this episode right now, you do have an identity. You do have a purpose in this world. There will never be another person with the same fingerprint as you. There will never be another person with the same retina scan as you. There will never be another person with the same gifts, talents, skills, abilities, dreams, and ambitions that you have. They were given to you for a reason. So as I went through those years, I became inspired by these guys, but then I began to realize and ask the right questions. The key is asking the right questions. Who am I? What are my gifts and how do I give them away to the world? And for me, I'm very gifted at communication. I'm very full of, I have energy. I grew up with ADD and I grew up with ADHD. And growing up, I was very misunderstood as a kid. And I actually realized later in my adult years and now that it was a gift from God, that I have a natural energy about me. And if you guys follow me on social media, you'll see this. My energy is contagious because energy is contagious. Whether it's good or bad, you are affecting the people that you're around. Okay, so I'm good at communication. I have this crazy energy. I'm always hyper and I have the ability to influence other people through that. 
and my dream is to become a motivational speaker. And, and it became aligned for me. So I began to realize how do I just be who I am, step into my identity, master the gifts that God gave me, and then give them away to the world. For me, I didn't want to sell. If I'm being honest, I did all these sales jobs. I had to pay my bills like everybody does, but I knew I wasn't going to be in sales for the rest of my life. I looked at the guys that were 50 years old, still in sales. And I was like, yeah, that's not me, bro. I don't want to do that. And, and I knew that I had to figure out a way out. And Becoming a motivational speaker, like most of our dreams, is a lot easier said than done, Richard. For me, I just started pouring my heart out, man. Like I started making content before content was cool. I started making content like 10 years ago. When I was like 17 years old, I was making videos and posting them on the internet before posting videos on the internet was really cool for like guys my age. Now everybody's doing it. And, and, and I, and I've done that for years and years and years and years. And I tried to create businesses and I formed masterminds and tried to figure all this stuff out. And, and, and I failed, man. I, I had other brands that failed other businesses that failed, but I never gave up. I kept consistently working through it. And my breakthroughs began to happen in the last few years when I really, I don't know, man, there's something special about just never giving up, you know, like, when you just are re relentless and you just won't give up, it doesn't come a matter of if you'll succeed. It only becomes a matter of when because you've removed the if variable. And I began to invest into guys like Nicholas Bailey, our mutual friend. I began to join bigger masterminds, began to fork out the money, began to get around the guys that were already doing. And I said, all right, listen, these guys are clearly got something figured out and know something that I don't know. Cause I know I'm passionate. I know I'm talented. I know I'm skilled, but yet I'm still not stepping into this and living my entire life in and through it. And they are. So whatever I got to do to get in proximity with them, I'm going to get in proximity with them. And that's where my breakthrough began to happen. I got into proximity to guys that were making millions of dollars in this industry, speaking all over the world, running masterminds, doing coaching programs. And I was able to rebrand myself into motivation, everything make a pact to myself to consistently post a video every day. If you follow me on social media, I do a video called a 30 sec motivation check. Every single one of you have 30 seconds of time to give. And I deliver a powerful and impactful um, message in less than a minute every single day. And guess what, Rich? What's that? I haven't missed one since I started. And you know, I listen to every one of them, right? I didn't, man. That's so cool. You know, I don't miss one. You Dude. know, for me, like once we connected, I'm all about relationships, you know, and just like, you know, I knew you were coming on. So, of course, I dug up everything I could about you. Um, and but I wanted, you know, that's today is just a re re where the relationship just begins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about relationships. But now, you know, like I'm a public speaker. You know, I have this show. I have my own Monday night live show I do every week. And a lot of people think, well, it's easy to be a public speaker. You just go up there and speak. And I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> if the they only knew, you know, and people don't realize, you know, that when you're up there, you have to, you're, you can't look at one person. You can't look at everybody. And sometimes you'll just start fumbling over words when you first begin. And, um, and you have to have mentors, like you said. And, and eventually your mentors will become your equals. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm still working on that. You know, one of my mentors is Ed Milet. And um, just solid because, guy, man, solid you know, guy. 
And, you know, because he's not, he's not, not afraid to talk about his faith, you know, but he's also not to talk about, you know, not afraid to talk about business. So he's who I model my podcast after. So tell us, you know, who are some, because sometimes, you know, you'll maybe model somebody for a while, but then, you know, like the Bible says, everything has its season. Yeah. So people are going to move in and your in and out of your life, even your business. They're going to move in and out. So who were some of your earlier mentors, and Sue, who are some of your mentors now? Yeah, it's really interesting how you talk about that because as you said that, and I was thinking, I was like, man, really, mentors do change as we do go through these seasons. You know, we could go back to Wally was a mentor, right? Um, but then after he passed away, I grew and found more mentors. Uh, when I got into real estate, I found a mentor that was one of the top selling agents in North Myrtle Beach and mentored under him. Then I was exposed to, you know, public speaking. Eric Thomas is from Detroit. I'm from Kalamazoo. We're both from Michigan, two hours away from each other. Absolutely loved ET. I followed him from the beginning when he wasn't even big, when he only had a couple of Thank God It's Monday videos out. And I watched his journey rise to the top. Uh, I love Les Brown. I love listening to Earl Nightingale. I love Zig Ziglar, some of the late greats, the Jim Rohns. Uh, what's interesting though is I don't follow ET much right now, man. I'm in a different season of life. Uh, yeah. I love him, but I, I'm more on to learning things that I can't learn from him anymore, that I'm looking to other people. And, you know, close mentor in my life, uh, Nicholas Barely, uh, I've learned a lot from him, you know, and I think right now some of the guys that I really model are, I really admire Gary V. Uh, he's someone that I have a media company, much like Gary V has Vayner Media. Um, I align with him on a lot and I, and I have a similar vision and mission in this world um, to Gary V, but it's my own. I want to do things actually a little bit different than him, but what he's done inspires me. So I'd say right now, Gary V, uh, he really inspires me in what I'm doing with Maverick Media. Uh, and then, you know, I'm not, it's crazy because I'm not actually the biggest Tony Robbins follower or fan, but I'm inspired that he is number one. And I've always wanted to be number one motivational speaker in the world, not to even claim the fame of number one, but to just make the greatest impact. Because I think if you arrive at that spot where you're the most known motivational speaker in the world, then that says something about the lives that you've touched. So I, I joke around sometimes and I say, you know, if, if Gary Vee and Tony Robbins had a kid, that's kind of who I am because I embody principles of both and the way that I live my life, the messages I speak and the companies that I run and the value that I bring. Yes. You like, you know, as we're talking about speakers, you know, I'm not a Grant Cardone guy. No. And you but, know what? He inspired but, me one time, man, but, but not anymore. But now, you know, I read his book because, you know, I'm a big reader and I believe that, you know, leaders are readers. So I grabbed his book and I read it. And the one thing I got out of his book, and I talk about it on every podcast, is if you guys are listening to this, whoever's listening to this right now, from now on, anything that happens in your life is your fault. If you take ownership and realize that everything from now on in your life is your fault, is when you will actually start to become free. Mm. So yeah. I just Throw that out there, you know, maybe, you know, stuff might happen to us, but it's how we react to stuff. Did you read 10X? Yeah, that's the book I'm talking about. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest takeaway from that was that this taking more massive action than we think we're capable of. Like, yeah. it's crazy, dude. Like, it just blows my mind. Like, guys, you do realize you can change your life in six months, right? Like, you don't need to wait 10 years. Like, the next six months, you can do the damn thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear, but you can do it. 
Definitely. And you could do it, you know, like I tell everybody, you know, because I've been re- recovery now. I've been so- sober 32 years. Um, and I tell them that the three things you can do in the next 30 days to change your whole life is one, to forgive the people that hurt you. Mm. Two, ask for forgiveness and willing to repay the people you've hurt. And three, forgive yourself. And once you can do those three things, you know, because you it's hard to run on a treadmill when you have a 60-pound rucksack on your back and you keep on throwing bricks in it. You know, eventually it's going to outweigh you and you're not going to be able to run anymore. So, yeah. once, you know, God, you know, God says that once he forgives you, that it's from as far as from the east to the west. So you don't have to deal with that stuff anymore once you ask for forgiveness. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You know, I want to, you know, I haven't shared this with anybody, man, but you brought it up that, you know, you, you know, you're sober for 30 something years, you said, right? 32. Yeah. Just, just celebrated. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think if it was October of 19, I got in a car crash and got a DUI and, uh, I haven't actually publicly spoke about this at all. Uh, but I have, um, proud to say Richard that I gave up alcohol in my life. And uh, I officially gave it up. I pretty much gave it up after that, but once in a while, like on special events would, but I completely gave it up um, New Year's Eve of this year. So I, I haven't touched a, a drop of alcohol at 27 years old and uh, look forward to a life of sobriety moving forward, man. And it's, it's been an incredible uh, move in my life. So I just wanted to share that. I love that, brother. Now we're going to talk about branding because I love branding. And uh, the biggest, you know, I talk, whenever I talk to branding specialists like yourself, you know, just just imagine, close your eyes and imagine you're watching TV one night, you're watching the NBA, and Michael Jordan comes out wearing an Adidas sweatsuit and Adidas shoes. How, how many people would lose their mind knowing <laughs> that he is Air Jordan, you know, pretty much the face of Nike? So you are your brand. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that no matter if you're a face of a large company, a small company, you are your brand. So talk to us about being your brand. Yeah, man. Um, so personal branding is everything. And I just want to connect the two dots for your audience. So I left on with my story that, you know, I was consistently making content and then I went into that. Well, guys, that was the missing piece. And I'm, I'm so glad Richard brought this up. It wasn't until I personally branded Cody Cottle to the world that I had success. And once I did this, and once I consistently started making the right content and serving my audience, getting them to know, like, trust me, become aware of who I was and see me as an authority in the space. I had, you know, I'll never forget my first week of launching a coaching business, you know, multiple five figure, I think it had 20,000 plus in sales followed by six figures in under six months in my coaching program. And through that, I I had a lot of success and everybody saw it as it's funny too, right, Richard? Like everyone sees like the six months and they're like, oh, you're so lucky. They don't see the 10 years of busting our ass trying to get there. Um, But anyways, just had to say that. Um, I finally broke through guys and the missing element was personal branding. And because of that, Um, A lot of coaches, a lot of consultants, a lot of digital marketers, any really digital nomad or online entrepreneur that is in my realm of social media began to reach out to me. Uh, They began to ask questions, you know, how are you personally branding? 
How are you making your content? How are you doing your media? How are you monetizing your content? How are you seeing the tangible success that you're seeing? And I just wanted to leave you guys with that because that's what led me to launch. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but a business exists to solve problems. That is the sole purpose of a business. There's a problem in the marketplace. A lot of you have ideas and dreams and value that you can bring to the world, but you don't know how to personally brand yourself to get people to know, like, and trust you, see you as an authority and actually hire you for your products or services. So I've set out on my mission with a company I founded called Maverick Media to help guys like Richard amplify who they are to the world, to help the guys like Joe Nicasio, to, to, to help them see the, the value that you're able to bring and magnify that and amplify that and separate yourself from the world. So I want to begin this conversation with a question. Why should I work with you? Why should I buy what you're selling? That when it comes to marketing, when it comes to branding, when it comes to personal branding is the question that has to be at the forefront of everything that we do. You brought up Michael Jordan. Guys, when we think of Nike, who do we think of? Michael Jordan. He don't even own it. He's just the personal brand that they are tied to the Nike brand. And you can't think of one without the other. When I say Apple, Richard, who do you think of? Steve Jobs, of course. Of course, right? The founder of the company, Steve Jobs. He is the brand more than anything. Even though he's passed, it's still the first thing that comes to our mind. When I say Apple, who do you think of? Uh, Bill Gates. I try not to think of Bill Gates, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I we won't get into the controversy. <laughs> but the point is, guys, that people buy people. Okay, they don't buy the, brands. Now, on the other side of that coin, also, you know, like a lot of people know me as the comeback coach. You know, because I talk about recovery a lot. So if me and you got together, and all of a sudden, film starts popping up on Insta of us popping bubbly and champagne. And people would be like, wait a minute, isn't that the guy that's got 32 years clean and sober? And you can ruin your brand in an instant. In, in, in seconds. And, you know, and I, like Gary says, you know, that one thing that COVID has taught us is that the fake people on social media have been found out. Yeah. You know, the people that were taking pictures of Lambos and, and living in mansions are living in their mom's basement now because they weren't being real and being authentic. So talk to us about authenticity. Man, well, you know, it's it's crazy that you say that. If you want to be an influencer in this world, there are two things you have to accomplish. The first thing is everyone needs to want to be like you. But the second part is everybody needs to be just like them. This authority and authenticity and what we're learning, like you said, Richard, is uh, the fakes, the people that just fronted for so long are, are getting revealed. And I think people are not as naive as they used to be. I think social media and the internet is young. And I think it'll continue to grow. And I think what happened is people were able to put on this persona. And there's a lot that still do. But ultimately, is everything. Authenticity. And sooner or later always comes to light you guys but i respect somebody that is real with me i respect somebody that is authentic with me i respect somebody that is their unapologetic authentic truest version of themselves 
I want someone to be real. I want the person that I see on to be the same person that I meet in person. And that is what's separating leaders right now. I don't know if you know this, Richard, but in the past, successful people, leaders, they did this um, tactic, tactic of power where they separated themselves from everyone else. So people and uh, political strong leaders and men and titans and, and all these influencers, they, uh, they would separate themselves and not show their dirt. They would not show any of their problems. They would not be genuine. They would not be authentic. They would um, put on this persona and this image of perfection. And what it did is it, it would create this gap between like everyone that's like normal and average living and them. And we begin to think that these people are almost touched by God, that they're special, that they're lucky, that they're so much different than you and I, because they put that, that facade on for the world to see. I mean, heck, leaders of the world have been doing this since the beginning of time. But here's the thing, guys. There is nobody, nobody in this world that is better than you or me. We are all equals. Richard puts his pants on the same way as me, and I put my pants on the same way as you. I bleed just like you. You bleed just like me. I cry just like you. You cry just like me. I get angry. I get sad. I get depressed. I feel anxiety. We all feel it. And anybody that comes out there and acts perfect and puts on this persona of perfection, they're lying to you. And uh, I just think it's never been more important. And I'm really intentional about this as I grow and become more successful to never forget from and never be vulnerable and authentic to my audience to talk about this because this allows them to see that I'm just like them. Yep. And, you know, like, and I'm going to, you know, talk for about a second. You know, we talked about somebody. I'm not going to mention his name because I'm not, I'm not about to get sued. Um, but, you know, he sits on his private jets and talks about how great life is and he never has a down moment. But then you get somebody like Ed Milet when his father passes away and he tells you how he's feeling. Those are the people that I'm more related to, relatable to. You know, when you see somebody like Les Brown, you know, when he tells about his story about his mother growing up and, and his mother having to beat him so the white cop didn't beat him for, for drinking out of a white water fountain. That stuff makes people relatable to where if you're just sitting on a, a private jet or just taking pictures of mansions, eventually that gets old. You know what I'm trying to say? I do a hundred percent. And, um, you, you, you know, you relate to them, like you said, and I, I'm like you, man. Like, and I think everybody is like, I, I, I love the leaders like Gary V and Ed Milet and the guys that come out here and they don't act perfect. They talk about their downfalls. They talk about their struggles. I think the reason imposter syndrome is so popular in success is because of this facade that's been put out there. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome, Richard? I do. You know, when I first, now this is weird, but when I first started the podcast, I would always think, you know, um, what what makes me good enough to be able to talk to influencers like you and, and, and Nicholas? And then, you know, I got a call one day, you know, you're, you're, you're a young buck. But when I, when I was uh, um, a younger guy, I used to watch wrestling all the time. And one of the announcers that used to be with WWE asked me to come on his podcast. So I got asked to come on worldwide podcast. And then that following day is when it hit me. It's like, you know what? You are somebody. 
Mm. You deserve to be able to talk to other people, you know, do not be afraid, you know, and I think that's when a lot of the Lord's words come out to me, you know, do not be afraid, Mm. you know, to, you can't be given something if you don't ask. So that's when I really, my podcast just blew up after that. And it was just because of that one moment and that somebody had gave me a chance and an opportunity. So, and, and I was struggling with that imposter syndrome and I already had 200 episodes then, but I was afraid to reach out to people like you and Nicholas and, you know, um, some of the major generals and, you know, like Steve Sims, you know, seven, eight, nine figure earners, you know, who I was thinking, you know, who am I? But then when Ed Milet says, you know, he says, you know, instead of asking, why not? I mean, why me start asking, why not me? Yeah. You know, and I think that's when it started changing for me. So good, man. And and it's just crazy. And I think part of it is we see the guys already doing it and a lot of them haven't been authentic. And then we begin to doubt and think that we're not as good as them. And, and maybe that's a small piece of it. Right. Uh, I know I've experienced imposter syndrome. I know there's, you know, I know I'm doing incredible things. I know who I am. I know my identity. I know the value I bring, but there's still days that I wake up and, and that, that, that's still that, that insecurity and that fear creeps in and says, do I really deserve the right to go speak to a thousand people today? Do I really deserve the right to, to go to this event and speak on stage? Do I re-? you know what I mean? Um, and I also think that's also the enemy, right? Uh, to whom much is given, much is required and tested. And they're always trying to take us away from that God-given greatness. So, okay. Now talk to us about, um, you know, Because everybody thinks, oh, it's great to open your own business until the day you open your own business (laughs) and you have no way to eat unless you provide. So what was that first step when you started saying, all right, I'm going to start coaching people and I'm going to start public speaking? What did you do? What was your first steps? Well, for me, it's been a long journey. Um, You know, the public speaking began in network marketing. Um, and then throughout the years, I, I began to self-proclaim, I am a motivational speaker, I am doing this, and, and different opportunities opened up. And, you know, I remember getting paid 80 bucks here, 200 bucks here, 500, uh, you know, to go speak at these different events, like very low dollar amounts, obviously wasn't going to live off that. Uh, I had two brands, I had a, I had a CSE Inspires, I failed. Um, and when I rebranded as Motivation Everything and built the personal brand around Cody Cottle and Motivation Everything, that's when I seen success. Um, and, and I think it was August, August, September. So it was August when I, when I opened my business, I didn't make money till October 19th. And so like you said, uh, I mean, I, I, I went all in Richard. I drained the 401k from all the sales jobs. I was living off the savings accounts. I was at rock bottom, man. Um, but I think one of the reasons that I succeeded is I was all in. And I had this philosophy in my mind that when you start a business, I want you guys to visualize that you're standing on a very tall cliff overlooking the ocean. And this cliff is, you know, hundreds of feet up in the air. Let's say it's Australia and down below is the ocean. And let's say you don't know how to swim right now. When you start a business, you're jumping off that cliff and that water is getting closer and closer and closer. And you have to figure out how to swim by the time that you hit that water. And that's for me, what I did is I put myself in that circumstance where I had no other option, but to learn how to swim, 
but to learn how to monetize my business, but to learn how to make money, but to learn how to succeed. And, and I was willing to take that risk. And I'm not saying I will disclosure disclaimer. I'm not saying everybody should quit their job, go all in, empty their savings accounts and try to start a business. I don't want to be that guy for everybody. This journey is different. Some people have to play it safe. They have to keep the comfortable income on the side, build the side hustle, let the side hustle get to where they're at, then quit the job. There's, there's no right or wrong way. There's just the way that works for you. Um, but for me, that's, that's what I did. And, uh, I brought a lot of value. I think the reason that I succeeded is when you give without a of return, it creates a guaranteed return every single time. And like you said earlier, Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want, you're going to get what you want every single time. Guys, I've been coaching for years. I just didn't charge money. I've been serving people for years. I've been speaking for years. I just finally started to, to, to actually monetize it. Um, yeah, does that answer your question, Richard? Well, definitely. And then uh, something I want to talk about, you know, a lot of people will see our successes, but they don't see the failures. And but a lot of people that, you know, Edison, you know, it took him a thousand tries or 10,000 tries just to get the uh, just, you know, just to get the light bulb. And he says, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 10, ways not to do it right. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize that failure could be two things. Failure could be an event or failure could be a mindset. So talk to us about failure as an event that it's not, it doesn't have to be a lifestyle. Everybody, fa a lot of people fail. And if you're not failing, you're not trying, you know? Yeah, dude. So, I mean so talk to us how, you know, you had to shut one business down and something else, and then you started something new, but you didn't let it put you down for good. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, um, failure is never final unless you let it be right. And I think ultimately in life, we don't know what we don't know, and that's okay. That's the journey we're on of learning wisdom and how to apply it. And failure is inevitable. I luckily, like Richard, I won in sales. And one thing that we get good at in sales is we get good at failing. We get good at told, getting told no, but we also get good at developing resilience and pushing through that until we do get the wins. And for me, you know, I had a company called CSC Inspires. My name's Cody Schuyler Cottle. So Cody Schuyler Cottle Inspires. I think I made like 300 bucks in it. And that's nothing. I failed. I spent thousands and I made 300 bucks. And that's okay, because I learned what not to do. I learned that I was making it all about me instead of about others. And it wasn't until I shifted my business model and created Motivation Everything that I built a community and an ecosystem and an identity shift that resonated with people and brought them to me. So I had to fail. I had to lose money. I had to feel pain to pivot to do what was going to ultimately succeed. So, and, and I could tell you guys, I mean, multiple business ventures that I've had that have failed. You know, I also was opening an ax throwing bar with a buddy of mine and uh, COVID hit and we had quarter million dollar investment and all these different things and contractors and properties and, and it, it failed. I failed. We lost project got tabled and never came to fruition. But had I not experienced that failure, I would have never pivoted 
moved to California and launched my media company, which is my baby and the thing that brings me so much fulfillment right now. So I, when I think back on my own life, I think of all the failures, um, rejection. I want you to write this down, guys. Rejection is redirection. And failure is a form of rejection that is redirecting our life. God has a plan for you. Trust the process. Continue to work it. Continue to fail forward. And you will look back one day and say, oh, fuck, I'm glad I failed. That got me here. And I love that. You know, and like I said, I've been a fan of Gary's for a while until we finally met and and uh, what an amazing person. But two of his books that really changed my life was the thank you economy and jab, 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 right hook. And now we're going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about LinkedIn specifically. Um, I've noticed, you know, like I have what, almost 24,000 connections, but when somebody reaches out to connect with me and I accept their connection request, not even 30 seconds later, a two-page scripted, um, hey, bro, uh, you know, I've been following you forever. Um, <laughs> I would love for you to be involved in my, my coaching program. And I'm like, hey, bro, uh, I don't know you from Adam. My kids are doing great. Thank you. Have a great day. You know, so talk to us about Chris. Like I said, when we, at the start of this, for me, relationships or everything yeah you know if one thing gary taught me he said you know if you promote your friends 10 times more than you promote yourself you'll never have to promote yourself again amen so talk to us about building real relationships yeah and it comes down to relationship equity and first of all guys don't be that guy don't be that guy that sends a two-page dm uh it's an outreach strategy and i'll tell you what it's the most annoying thing in the world. I don't give those people the time of day. In fact, sometimes when I'm bored, I send them back a voice message telling them exactly why I'm not going to be a part of what they're selling and telling them a better way to do it where they actually should have built relationship with me first. Uh, so I love that you said that, Richard. Um, and guys, I'll tell you right now, I built a multiple six-figure company at 27 years old. I have several companies. Uh, Maverick, yeah, we're I think we just broke six figures in several months. It's been crazy. We've never done that. We've never DM spammed anybody. We've never done any of that. I haven't even done any outreach. I've done zero paid ads, none of that. And it all comes down to what Richard's touching on. And that's building relationships. It's building relationship equity. It's getting people to know who you are, like who you are, trust who you are, become aware of who you are and what you do and see you as an authority and an expert in, in, in what it is that you do do which leads to what you obviously can offer to bring value into their life. Because remember, businesses exist to solve problems. All of my um, sales, which I don't even like calling it that, all the people I've been able to help uh, came from relationship equity. And if you guys want to succeed in the online space, the best way to do it is to amplify who you are to the world in a non-salesy way. And the way that you do that is a personal brand. And the way that you build a personal brand is you be yourself, you be authentic. Like we've talked a lot, a theme through this entire podcast. You get out there and you begin posting posts from your heart. You begin bringing value. And I want to say this too. 
people misunderstand what a personal brand is, Richard. Uh, in the past, I would take imagine my left hand pushing over to the side and my right hand pushing over the side. On the left was our professional life. On the right was our personal life. And people for a long time have kept those two as separate as they could. Uh, at Maverick Media, we believe in the opposite. We turn the two around, we bring them together, and we mesh them. Uh, your personal brand is who you are. I want to know. I want to know Richard as the father, as the husband. I don't know if you're married, but I want to know like who you are as a person because I buy from people I like, not just as a businessman, not just as a podcast host, but as a genuine man whose story I enjoy following. And if you guys start. If, if all you post on your social media is client results and business and offers and buy this from me, it's going to turn me off. It's going to turn other people off. We're going to get annoyed. We're probably going to unfollow you. And if you start DM spamming me, I'm probably going to delete you. That strategy does not work and it's overused by too many and it's saturated and it's annoying to be frank. There's no relationship equity built at all. It's a pure numbers game. I'm going to blast out messages to hundreds of people. A couple of them are going to reply and out of them, a couple of them are going to buy. And, and, it's, and it's rinse and repeat just playing a numbers game. Whereas you don't have to do that and you don't have to be annoying. You just continue to dude, post pictures of you and your wife and your family and also post pictures about business. Make videos every day. One of the greatest conversion things in getting to know, like, and trust someone is videos. Go Facebook Live. Go Instagram Live. Go live on TikTok. What we do with our clients is we have them make a TikTok video every day, a genuine impactful message, and they repurpose it. And they put the TikTok on their Facebook, in their Facebook group, on their Instagram, on their Snapchat. And they build this relationship with people. Gary Vaynerchuk has a book I encourage everyone to buy called Jab, Jab, Right Hook. And the whole philosophy with the jab, jab is I'm going to give you value. I'm going to give you value. And then my right hook is, yes, I am going to make an offer. Because now you know who I am. You like who I am. You trust who I am. You know I'm authentic. You know I'm genuine. You love my content. You love what I'm about. And hey. If you want more than just seeing my content, I coach people for a living and I would love to hop on a call and I'd love to listen to you and I'd love to bring value to you and I'd love to serve you. Richard, my whole technique is different than everyone else. I know the people that follow me and once I build enough equity with them, I, I check on them man. I see how they're doing and then I just say, I'd love to get to know you better. I'd love to hop on a connection call. It's not a sales call. I get on a call. I listen. What's going on in your life? What is your business? What are you doing? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your kids. And I genuinely listen and I care. And then at some point that conversation pivots to where they say, Cody, tell me about you. I want to know about you. And then that's my permission, keyword permission, to tell people about who I am, to share part of the story I shared with you today, to share the amazing things we're doing at Maverick Media, to share the incredible work I've done through Motivation Everything and the people's lives that I've touched and changed and the platforms that I've spoken on. And that builds more relationship. And you know what? If that person's an ideal client for me, then maybe later after that call, I'll follow up with them. And I'll say, hey, Richard, you know, I really enjoyed talking to you. And I just want you to know that at Maverick Media, we could really amplify your social media. We could really help you personally brand and help you grow your business. Edison, I don't care if you buy from me or not, but I'd at least love to hop on a call and show you what I could do for you. And at that point, I've built enough trust that the person's going to get on a call. 
and my conversion rate is 70% Richard with every person that I talk to because they know I'm genuine. They know I'm authentic. They've already followed me. They already know, like, and trust me. And I built enough relationship equity and trust with them that it's not a sales conversation. It just comes down to, can I solve their problems or not? You know, and I, I truly love that. Uh, so I didn't think I was going to ask this question, but, um, you know, I'm very big in the veteran space. I'm very big in, uh, I'm a very big mental health advocate. And um, I believe that you cannot pour from an empty cup. So what does Cody do to make sure that he's okay mentally? Yeah, dude, that's, and, and, and first of all, can I just, I just honor all of the, are you a veteran? Yep. 24 years. What branch? Army, army and army. army. Thank you for your service. Thank you to all the veterans that listen to this for your service. We would not have the opportunity to have this right now if it wasn't in women. And I just want to honor you guys and tell you how much I love and appreciate you and that I believe in all of you. And I and, retired out of the Conway National Guard. Dude, that's amazing, dude. So, guys, mental health is serious, and we all need it. And even, I'm a motivational speaker. Uh, the one thing about being a guy that has really high highs is I have really low lows. And um, I think ultimately the way that I found to not let those lows get too low is having brotherhood around me and people that can speak life into me. And what that looks like for me is a few different versions. Uh, number one, God. I always lean into God and in my relationship with him. And in my you know weakness, his strength is made apparent. And, and I know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and that there is a promise and that I do have authority in and through him to declare that in the name of Jesus. I have to say that first. Um, but ultimately, then it goes to my uh, my brothers and sisters in the church, man, and, and the brotherhood and the and people there and the small groups and uh, things that I'm plugged into that can speak life into me. I have really strong support group. I'm in a connect group. Uh, I participate in my church and through tough times, I'm able to go to these people and they're able to pray for me and help me and speak life into me. Outside of that, I am in an all men's business mastermind called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood. I've built yes, lifelong. Yes, yes. BDB, baby. BDB, let's go. Shout out Nicholas Barely. Um, these men care about me and I care about them. And we don't put on a facade. We don't try to act perfect. We get raw. We talk about the dirt. We get vulnerable. We cry. We do whatever we got to do to support one another. And um, I know these men always got my back. And I know that anytime I'm struggling with mental health or anything going on in my life, that I can pick my phone up and there's multiple men in there, brothers that I can call that will lift me up. And uh, I think, guys, if you're listening to this and you feel alone in the world and you don't feel like you have that support, you can have it. And you have permission to have it. And there's many places that you can find it, whether you just get involved in some type of networking event or brotherhood and, and build those relationships, or you go to a church and you begin to get plugged in and connected into a small group, a huddle, a Bible study, a connect group, whatever your church calls it. Um, there are so many people out there that will welcome you in with open arms, that will love you, that will listen to you, that will serve you, and and that will genuinely care about you. And, and make sure you have that in your life. Uh, like you said, Richard, you can't pour from an empty cup. I'm continuously going to get my cup filled. 
Uh, I went to men's prayer this morning at 5.30 a.m. Uh, I spent an hour and a half with uh, 50, no, was, there was 126 there actually today, 126 men all together praying, crying, worshiping, being real with one another, supporting one another. Um, and I don't think I'd be able to do what I do without that. I love it, brother. So last two questions that I, I, that I ask everybody, and I, I love the answers that I get. How do we find you? Um, how, how can we get in touch with you? I can't wait for your book to drop, by the way. I'll be the first one to purchase it. So, you know, how do we get in touch with the man, the myth, and the legend? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I'm just out here just trying to be who God created me to be. Guys, um, if you want to connect with me, I'd love to connect with you. There's a few platforms you can find me on. Uh, I always invite everybody first and foremost to the community I built, unlike any other community. A community of you know positive, like-minded, driven individuals, all supporting one another. That community is motivation. Everything you can just go on Facebook, search motivation. Everything you'll find the group, uh, blue and uh, gold logo uh, with white background, and uh, we'd love to have you in there. Um, several thousand people in there, all supporting one another. I'm serving that audience continuously. I don't expect anything in return. It's completely free. Get in there, get plugged in and let me fill your cup. Um, we also love to encourage you guys to, to pour into others in the group too. Outside of that, add me on Facebook or follow me. I might be maxed out friends now. Uh, Cody Cottle, C-O-D-Y-C-O-T-T-L-E. Um, Instagram, really been going all in on IG lately. And you can find me at um, I am Cody Cottle. You can follow my TikTok. I put out videos every day. I am Cody Cottle. You can add me on Snapchat. See me in my personal life, Cody.Cottle. Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn, Cody Cottle. And uh, if you guys are interested in anything that we do with personal branding, I would love to encourage you guys to go to our website, www.madebymaverick.com. Uh, I'm really big on not being salesy. I run all of the calls for the company right now. I got one guy that's helping me, but I still... um. I lead on all of them and really we just sit down and listen to you and what you're trying to do and where you're at and see if we can give you any value. I love it, brother. Love it. Love it. And I just joined your group by the way. So thank you for having me. Um, so now last question and I'm going to, this is going to be usually just a one part question, but for you, it's going to be a two part question. Um, you know, we live in a crazy world. Um, we're living a COVID world still. Uh, a lot of places are still locked down. So we have grandparents that are homeschooling kids. We got parents that are driving Uber just to put kids in their food's mouth. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they'll probably never get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So first, if you know somebody that's struggling in business, what is something they can do in the next 20 to right the ship? Dude, that's powerful, man. So, so I'm understanding, right? If someone wants to take action and you said specifically in business, right? Oh, well, yep. And then the rest is, and the next one is spiritual. Okay. So spiritual, we'll start with business yep. guys. If you want to grow in the next 24 hours in your business, this is all you need to do. You need to write down one thing that you want to accomplish. What is one thing? I want you to drown out all the other crap. And if you need a process to do this, write out your priorities in your business, one to 10, then erase the second nine and just go with number one. And uh, what you do for the next 24 hours is you take massive action on pursuing that one thing. And all you focus on is that one thing. You drown out all the distractions. I don't care if you got to turn your phone off, you know, turn your notifications off, tell your wife to leave you alone for a day. 
uh, tell your kids to, to go play with their friends, you focus for the next 24 hours. Uh, what I've learned in life is, is when we channel our focus on one goal and our alignment with everything that we do on that one thing, it's then that we will accomplish that goal. Um, complexity is the enemy of accomplishment. And often at times we, we let things get too complex and we overthink things and we have too many distractions when, you know, I see people in business all the time and clients I work with, I've also done business consulting and they, they overthink everything. And I, and I clear out all the clutter for them. I get it down to one thing that they need to accomplish right now. And I make them only work on that one thing. And guess what? They get it done in 24 hours. I love it. Now, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, in a lot of times in my life, um, God was there, but I'm the one that moved. Mm. So if somebody with their faith, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start getting closer to him again? Yeah. Well, I guess it takes me back to, I believe it's in the Sermon on the Mount when um, there's, you know, he, Jesus says, seek and you shall find, ask and it shall be given to you, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Uh, what people don't realize is that we have the power to ask for anything that we want and, and God will listen and God will answer. It's not always in the way that you expected or wanted him to reply to that ask, but it ultimately is what he knows is best for you in that. And if you want to grow in your spiritual religious beliefs and you want to become closer with God, I think the first step is, are you actually asking God, God, I just want to know you better. I just want to build a relationship with you. And for me, I didn't do that. And it wasn't until I got down on my knees and I said, God, I, I just want to know you. I just want to like know like who you are. I, I just I just want to listen. And, and I, I encourage you guys. I had a challenge put on me at a men's um, warrior weekend, a Christian men's retreat I did the other two weekends ago. And I was forced to do an hour of silent prayer. And if you don't mind, Richard, I just would like to share this with them. I really encourage you guys to, to take an hour, no phone, no Apple watch, no technology, no distractions, go alone. I don't care if you got to go in nature, get somewhere calm and peaceful that you can sit down and, and, and ask two questions. God, who am I? God, why am I here? And for one hour, meditate and pray on those two questions. I love that, brother. Probably, um, and I can't wait to talk to Nick. I'm gonna actually message him when we get done. Tell him what an amazing person you are, and how grateful I am for your friendship, brother. Man, Richard, I'm grateful for you. This is a start of a lifelong friendship, man. I just want to say that I honor you, man, and I appreciate you giving me the time to to come on here to have a conversation with you, to hang out, and uh, I look forward to just getting to know you even better. All right, brother. Well, have an amazing day, and God bless you. God bless you. God bless all of you. All right, brother. Bye. All right, brother. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.